welcome to St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Saratoga Springs, New York, where we are gathered by God to share the love of Jesus. Today we continue our catechism series with the second article of the Apostles' Creed. Here is this week's message from Pastor Adam Wiegand. I know you're all primed for me to say grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But what's up on the screen is getting ready to confess the creed. Well, there's a reason for this. We're in the creed. We're digging into the creed. We're taking to heart the creed. And so as part of the sermon, I want to confess the creed together. So to confess a creed is different than like confessing our sins. When we confess our sins, we look inward and we see that we have disobeyed God. And then we acknowledge to God that we've done this. It's taking what's inward and bringing it outward. Confession of our faith is different, not like I was wrong to believe this. Confession of our faith is taking what God has planted within our hearts at holy baptism and then taking it outward and revealing it to him. We have two audiences. We have the audience of God who already knows our faith, but like my friend and youth from my vicarage congregation, Amanda Poteet said, is God wants to know that we know that he knows. So that's audience number one, is we confess to God. We also confess before one another. We acknowledge what we believe together as God's people in Christ. And so, baptized into Christ Jesus and living together in trust and hope, let us confess our Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. We'll stop there. From there, that was what Martin Luther had received, passed down from generation to generation to generation from the early church to his day. And it's the same words that have been passed down since Martin Luther all the way to us today. And we are passing them down to our children and to their children and to children's children until Jesus comes back. But we're pausing in the middle of that series, in the middle of that stream. And we're asking the question, what does all that mean? And that's what Luther in 1529 gave a document to the church to help them understand parents to teach their children what all of those things mean for them. Not just that it happened, but that it means something to us. And it's something that we embrace and take to heart. And so I ask, as Luther did, what does this mean? And here's the answer to that. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, from power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness 
just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. So when Jesus was on earth in his three-year ministry, he found himself in a place called Capernaum. It says a good Hebrew word. Hebrew translates words into town names. And Capernaum means grave of the prophets. <laughs> Later on in Jesus' ministry, Jesus would be in Jerusalem. And he'd say, ah, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, you who stone those who are sent to you, how long I would have gathered you under my wing like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't have it. That is the condition in which humanity finds itself. Knowing that we need the protection of our God, knowing that we need a Savior, but looking anywhere than the one who actually is the Savior. We will look for salvation in anything. People will look for salvation in a bottle of alcohol and they will drink it until there's nothing left at all because it can't quench that thirst. People will look for salvation in their family. Husbands and wives will have a child to try and save their marriage, but the child ends up breaking their marriage. Children will look for salvation in their friends looking for approval, looking for validation that they belong and the kids who welcome them in are just as quick to turn their backs. Scripture makes it clear. There is salvation in no other name under heaven other than Jesus. He is the only one who can save us in the ways that we need to be saved. He's the only one. Why? Because as we just confessed, he's true God. We also confess that he's true man. And those two things hold together in only one person, in Jesus. The Father, begotten, you know, the Father has been from eternity. He always was, he always will be. His name says that, Yahweh. It means I am. There's no time with him. And the Holy Spirit is a spirit. Doesn't have a body. But Jesus, eternally begotten of the Father, we say, took on flesh. He became human like we are. Fully, fully human. Not just appearing human. Not just occasionally being human. But in his nature, in his essence, he's fully God. So everything that pertains to God, the Father pertains to Jesus. He says, if you want to see what the Father's like, look at me. But at the same time, he's fully human. Everything about him, his skin, his hair, his bones, his mortality... His emotions, all human. Knit together in the womb of his mother Mary, conceived 
by the Holy Spirit and born of Mary in order to suffer under Pontius Pilate, be crucified, to die, and be buried. I want to point out to you the journey that Jesus took and how much he left behind. Remember that as God, every power, every bit of wealth, all blessing and honor and authority was his. And he said, I will leave that behind. Why? Luther put it this way. So that I may be his own. Because we started out apart from him. We started out in enmity with him. Opposed to him. Separated from him. But as the divine and the human were joined together in Jesus, by faith in Jesus, the divine and the human are also joined together. God is joined together with us, never to be separated again. So as Jesus was on his way to that graveyard of the saints in Capernaum, he asked his disciples a question, same question that I'm going to ask of you today. As soon as I find it on my little thing here. There it is. Oh, I did it again. <laughs> Tech. Who do you say that I am? He started out actually by asking, who do people say that I am? And Peter pipes up just like he always does. Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Now, that's pretty crazy, because where was John the Baptist that day? I'll give you a hint. He'd literally been beheaded. So, if Jesus is John the Baptist, he's something special. <laughs> and if not John the Baptist, other people are saying, some people are saying that you're Elijah, or one of the prophets. Where was Elijah on that day? He was in heaven, remember? He was carried up into heaven in a fiery chariot. So if Jesus is Elijah, he's something special. And as they walked into the graveyard of the prophets of Capernaum, if you're one of the prophets, where are they? They're in the ground. If Jesus is one of the prophets, he's got to be something special. Scripture doesn't say this. But I think Jesus probably shook his head <laughs> because none of those answers were true. <laughs> but he upped the ante and he said, yeah, 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 but who do you say that I am? And what did Peter answer? Do any of you remember? You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of John. Flesh and blood didn't tell you that. You didn't learn that from any person. My father told you this, and now I call you Peter, and on what you just said, on that rock, I'm going to build my church. And who's that? Who's the church? Raise your hand if you're the church. All in favor say aye. Aye. You know what? The walls that we have here, this isn't the church. The pews you're sitting in, this isn't the church. The altar isn't even the church. The church is a people. The church is those who have put their faith in Christ. And so the question that was asked to the disciples in Capernaum is also put 
to the disciples in Saratoga and wherever they happen to be gathered out there on the live stream. Who do you say that he is? There's only one right answer. Even the most special answer, oh, you're a prophet. Oh, you're a special designated representative of Israel. Oh, you're a great teacher. Everything other than Savior, Christ, Redeemer, Son of God. Every other answer is wrong. Peter's answer is right. And it's flesh, not flesh and blood that's telling you that. This is the Father in heaven who testifies about his Son. You are my beloved Son on the day of his baptism. You are my beloved Son. I'm well pleased with you on the mountain of transfiguration. Listen to him. We know beyond the shadow of a doubt who Jesus is. But the next question is, what do you say that he does? Because Jesus' identity is really no help to us unless there's some activity as well. What do you, what do you say he does? Is he a teacher? Yeah, of course he's a teacher. He went around for three years teaching, preaching. You say he's also a healer? Yeah, he did that too. Restoring sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, even raising the dead. What else did he do? He went and confounded the religious and, and political authorities. Yeah, he did that. Something of a revolutionary in that way. But you know, all of those things don't matter one whit unless he is also the Christ. The one who was set aside from the foundation of the world. The one that God chose. The one who was anointed and set apart to go to the cross for us. The one who would suffer on our behalf because we couldn't suffer like he did and live. The one who would die in our place and by believing in him be the way that we will live forever. So you can have a proper understanding of who Jesus is and you can have a proper understanding of what he does and it can still be no good for you. Because Scripture says even the demons believe and they tremble. So what's the difference between you and a demon? I pray a lot. <laughs> There's a difference between you and a demon. And here's where it comes down. Why do you say that he does all this? Martin Luther opened up a beautiful view into heaven when after describing all the things that Jesus came into the world to do and pointing to the things that he said, he said, he does this that I may be his own. We need to take that to mind and to heart. And maybe the best way to get it in mind and heart is through our mouths. That I may be his own. Say it. That I may be. Be his own. Again, that I may be his own. He wants us. He wants you. He loves you in order to do all the things that he did from the foundation of time even to the close of time. All that Jesus does, he does for his church. 
for his gathered people of God who confess his holy name, who trust his work for salvation, who have the hope of a blessed reunion, not just with the people in our family that have gone before us and our friends that have been part of the church, but with the Lord of heaven and earth himself. That's what we're pressing forward to. That's what we're casting off every sin and everything that easily entangles us and press forward towards the goal of the reunion with Christ our Lord in our flesh. Just like Job said, even if my flesh is destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. Him and no other. How my heart yearns within me. Isn't this the most wonderful news? Isn't this the most critical thing? Like I said at the beginning of the service, unless we have the second article of the Apostles' Creed, we got nothing. And that's the condition that most of the world finds itself in. The majority of the population on this planet does not have a reunion with Jesus that's happy, planned. So I'm going to finish up the sermon with a simple question. With whom will you share this good news? Who is it that Jesus wants to make his own? By the words of your mouth. By your invitation. By your example. By Jesus working out in you the growth of his kingdom. With whom will you share this good news? Because it's for them too. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise. Now may the peace of God that passes all of our human understanding keep your hearts rejoicing in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the one true Redeemer. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church, please visit spalutheran.org. God's blessings to you. Go in peace and serve the Lord.